you might be asking yourself the following questions. Why should I buy bonds? Aren't bonds only for banks and wealthy people? I have a bond fund. Isn't that the same thing? I don't have enough money to buy bonds. Doesn't my 401k have bonds in it? We're going to answer these questions in the introduction, and then we're going to start from the cheapest bonds you can get, U.S. savings bonds, and then work our way through corporate and municipal bonds, and we'll end by touching on treasury bonds, agency bonds, CDs, and other fixed income investments. We learned the crucial fact about how bonds that have long durations have a lot of uncertainty as their true return, and therefore have a lot of volatility in their price, which means they are risky, even when looked at another way, when held to maturity, they are essentially risk-free. We talked about other kinds of risk, such as interest rate risk, inflation risk, the risk of default, and we looked at some examples of the probabilities of default and the use of bond ratings. I hope that I clearly made the point that when we buy bonds to hold them to maturity, our risk only goes down over time. The price of the bonds we have in our portfolio will become less and less volatile, and we shouldn't really be looking at their price anyway because we really aren't planning to sell. We learn about other vehicles for investing in bonds, such as mutual funds and bond ETFs, and pointed out that for small investors, sometimes these are our only means to participate in certain bond markets. But we also cautioned about some risks with ETFs. For example, the liquidity risk that can occur when the pool of bonds that the ETF is to mirror is small compared to the size of the ETF. And we also noted that some ETFs are actually designed for day traders and active investors to take short positions in, either using conventional shorting or using options, because it is very difficult otherwise to take a short position, meaning a bet against bonds. We caution specifically about leveraged and inverse funds because these are mathematically likely to lose money on average due to the daily rebalancing that must occur in these funds. They are meant for trading, not for investing. We had a look at government savings bonds, both the EE and I series. EE bonds have such a low yield now that they should be compared to zero interest rate bonds, which only pay off at maturity. Savings bonds are the one vehicle we mentioned that can be purchased in amounts as small as $25. Then we also mentioned that you can buy treasuries at treasurydirect.gov, but if you can spare $1,000, you'd probably be better off buying a CD. We looked briefly at Myra, which is an IRA fund run by the government and is a good alternative to double E bonds. We then had a look under the hood of a typical corporate bond and discussed how these can be callable or non-callable, how they can have fixed or step coupon, and the mechanisms through which they are bought and sold. Corporate bond interest is taxed as ordinary income, and that puts them at a disadvantage compared to federally tax-exempt bonds such as municipal bonds or corporate dividends from ordinary stock. We had a look at the bond data at FINRA and bond trade data from Trace using the FINRA website. Most brokerage tools can also pull trade data from Trace and should be able to show you this as well. We then had a look at the vast array of municipal bonds, 
which have the big advantage over corporate bonds and treasuries of being currently federally tax-free. We reviewed the trade data from EMMA over the MSRB website to help understand the trading price of municipal bonds on the secondary market. In addition, we also talked about how retail investors can participate in the individual offering of munis. Then we learned a bit more about treasuries and their cousins' agency bonds, and then mortgage-backed securities. We also touched on cash-like instruments such as certificates of deposits and stable value funds, which are for retirement accounts only. Finally, we reviewed the point that when you are making investment decisions, you should look at all your assets and all your debts collectively and not simply treat each portfolio on its own.